0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this one's going to be on state-of-the-art imaging for hepatobiliary cancer. And you might wonder, how did I pick that title? And how could I give a state-of-the-art talk in 15 or 20 minutes? It's because I was asked to give this presentation last week at the GI Cancer Symposium. So I thought I would share with you what I spoke about, and we'll expand this in future lectures. There's no doubt imaging the hepatobiliary system, which means the liver, the common duct, and the gallbladder, and again, focusing on liver... We speak about the techniques we use, CT being the big workhorse, MR, PET-CT, ultrasound, and catheter-based angiography. And regardless of which technique you, in fact, use, really the goals are in many ways the same. Lesion detection, lesion analysis and characterization and classification, tumor staging, if it is indeed a tumor. and the depending on how the patient is managed, depending on the pathology, follow-up scanning during therapy or following therapy, or simply patient management for some indeterminate lesions. When you look at the various techniques, be it CT or MR or PET, each of the techniques has strengths and limitations. Depending on the patient, the institution, the capabilities of the individual practice, that will often determine which of the modalities is indeed used but the concept of what we use is indeed changing with more information and i think changes will be the constant in the future so let's look at ct of the liver now multi-phase imaging of the liver doing arterial venous delayed has been around for a while ever since we really got down to the 64 and beyond error And that still is the strong point, but we're seeing more changes, dual energy of the liver, perfusion imaging of the liver, promise to make incredible impact on how we do things. Now, with CT, we talk about signatures. I've given a number of lectures on CT as us. This lesion is hypervascular, a central scar, a vessel in the middle. It's bright, but only as bright as the IVC, and it's bright and homogeneous. And when you look at this lesion from the arterial phase, 30 seconds later to Venus, it begins to go away to delayed phase where it's nearly gone. That's a classic presentation of focal nodular hyperplasia. And here's the central scar with the feeding vessel going into it. The feeding vessel can be big, but there's no neovascularity. Classic leave-alone FNH. Another case, hepatic adenoma. Now, this case is difficult because this patient has a vascular lesion. Looks like hepatoma to me. And when you look at the 3D angiographic map, a very vascular lesion, irregular enhancement, branching of the vessels. You have to worry about neoplasm. And we know hepatic adenomas and hepatomas really are on the cusp between the uh, between them. And this patient was treated uh, with resection. And this ended up being an hepatic adenoma with aggressive features, highly concerning. So again, sometimes when we're very good at defining the extent of disease, we're not always going to be perfect on lesion description and definition and determining what it is. Now, how we do the study becomes so important. There are many ways to look at the liver. There's four different phases. But at the end of the day, if you told me I was looking for hepatoma, The single best phase is going to be the arterial phase. And if I don't do that arterial phase imaging at 30 seconds with a good 4 or 5 cc bolus, I'm going to miss 30% of tumors. I'll particularly miss the small ones. So in this case, cirrhosis with the tips in place, that is patent. And there's a small lesion in the right lobe posteriorly. Posterior right lobe lesions are often hemangiomas, but we don't see hemangiomas in cirrhotic livers. And this lesion is not enhancing like hemangioma. And when you look at it in 3D, what you really see is the lesion, but you see the feeding vessels. You see the neovascularity. And so a big advantage these days of 3D imaging and CT angiography and MIP imaging in particular in this scenario is the ability to look at vessels and detect tumors. So in this patient, you see some irregular vascularity in the axial imaging, perhaps it's just AV shunting. But look at the 3D views. Look how nicely you can see the neovascularity. There's really no mass there, but you know the tumor's there because of the vessel involvement. And very, very important, that we can make the diagnosis earlier. Very nice example. Classic things, hepatomas, often have pseudocapsules, cirrhotic liver, hep C in this patient, ascites, classic, four sonomer so hypervascular, hepatocellular carcinoma, displacing some of the vessels. Here you can see it very nicely displaying the hepatic artery. And again, lesions do have signatures as in this example. Now, it's not just metastatic or primary disease. Both of them, we have certain key findings. So in this patient with pancreatic cancer, if you look at the image on your right, you would see two low-density liver lesions. And are they METs? Are they cysts? Hemangiomas, what, what are they? Well, if you would have looked at the arterial phase, the uppermost lesion has a THAD defect that's commonly associated with malignant tumors. The other lesion has no perfusion change. That was just a simple cyst. So the changes, how we see things near lesions, indeed becomes very important. The whole idea of perfusion imaging starts off with this, and here's that same patient in a coronal view. You see the triangular perfusion change, the feeding vessel, and we notice that that washes out. It's not just in hypovascular lesions and hypervascular lesions like this metastatic neuroendocrine tumor. You see the vascular lesion, you see the enhancement around the rim, and then you see the sort of the shadow around it, that neovascularity around it, shown nicely here, and that's a very classic sign for malignancy. You're not gonna see that in hemangioma or in any benign lesion. It's not always going to be carcinoid, but it's going to be a vascular metastasis. And here, very nicely on 3D, you really can appreciate the patient's abnormal vessels. Now, I mentioned there are two other areas where CT is going. One is in perfusion. There's an article by Garcia Figueroa in this month's AJR. Tumor angiogenesis is essential for cancer growth and provides an attractive target for oncologic therapies. CT perfusion is an emerging tool that provides both qualitative and quantitative information about tumor angiogenesis. And so this article makes the point that it's an area. We're looking at different things. Perfusion parameters may represent alterations in blood flow, blood volume or permeability, secondary to structural uh, and functional intermittent flow, the whole idea about these abnormalities of AV shunting, of chaotic structure, this is something, a terms we don't think about. Dilated capillary bed, permeability to macromolecules. But it's something that we will be seeing a lot of. At Hopkins now, we're starting to look at these patients. Here's the image from that Garcia article showing you metastatic colon cancer and showing you how the lesion in the middle is the initial presentation, and on the right is following treatment. So not only can we look at things potentially at time of presentation, but also how things change with treatment. So perfusion may allow prognostic biomarker and response prediction. It may allow predictor of biom- with biomarkers prior to therapy, how things are going to turn out, who's going to respond to a specific drug. We can provide better response assessment enhancement, and just response and assessment in and of itself. Now, the second area I mentioned was dual energy. Dual energy has been around for a couple years now. Most of the manufacturers offer one flavor or the other. Now, dual energy, the hot areas were to do virtual non-contrast CT, subtract the contrast from an arterial phase imaging, and not have to get a non-contrast scan, thereby saving radiation dose. And that is one good application. But looking at stone characteristics, looking at gout or others. But we also now are looking at the potential by using the different KVP levels to look at the liver at tumor detection as well as tumor response. This article by Disseco, studies have shown significant improvement in hepatoma uh, detection and greater lesion conspicuity with uh, enhanced late arterial phase 80 kVp data sets in comparison to 120 and the associated noise didn't matter. So this is interesting. A lot of work needs to be done in this area, but the ability to use dual energy can provide both better detection of disease as well as response to therapy. What else? Well, let's look over at PET-CT. PET is an area that's of great interest now. Uh, In terms of primary tumors, PET has not been that successful. In this article by has in Hepatology, making the point in the current clinical scenario of uh, non-cirrhotic HCV-positive liver disease, the differential diagnosis is extensive, and the sensitivity of PET for identification of primary hepatic tumors is not high enough to rule out malignancy. Uh, This article by Sachs. FDG PET has been shown to have mixed utility in detection of hepatomas with sensitivities of at best 55 to 64 percent. Again, FDG PET appears to provide insight into metabolic activity of a tumor with higher FDG uptake correlating with higher grade cancers and predicting prognosis. But again, you'll miss 40 percent of hepatomas, so it's not going to have the value there. And the same thing in cholangiocarcinomas, a very variable in terms of its success. This article by Sachs. Uh, felt that more than half the lesions would indeed be missed. On the other hand, when you look at liver metastasis, depending on the metastasis, PET-CT is very good. Colon cancer is one good example, esophageal cancer, lung cancer, but particularly colon cancer, both looking within the liver and extra hepatic, uh, PET-CT has a lot to offer. So I think a lot's going to be learned over the coming years. Uh, but it's going to be in specific applications where the PET-CT will offer advantages. So in this case of an MR with two liver lesions, the lesion at the arrow right lobe is going to be a metastasis, which is also shown very nicely on the PET-CT. So again, uh, it's something that in the right scenario, PET-CT is very valuable in looking at liver masses, but it is somewhat limited in terms of where it can be used. What about MR? MR is growing in its strength in looking at the liver, the fact uh, we can do contrast-enhanced scans with gadolinium, doing it very much like CT across multiple phases. The fact there are specific contrast agents like EOVista the multi-hands, which help distinguish amongst the various benign and malignant tumors, the increased uh, utilization of diffusion-weighted imaging, and now mrl elastography all provide important bits of information including changes now with the magnets. 3T magnets provide higher signal-to-noise ratio, higher spatial resolution, and faster imaging times, all of which can prove very valuable in looking at the liver. In this article by Albin, making the point that benign versus malignant lesions can be distinguished very nicely using MR, and again, the importance of multiple sequences, diffusion-weighted imaging, the use of hepatobiliary contrast agents, Again, all of that is necessary to reach the right diagnosis. Zek made the point. The main advantages of MR are additional information on tissue composition and liver-specific function. With diffusion-weighted imaging or plain T1, T2 sequences, different tissue elements like hemorrhage, glycogen, edema, and cellular density can be evaluated. So again, we're learning a lot where MR is. Here's a good example of a hepatoma seen best in the arterial phase following injection of the gadolinium. Or this lesion, which is shown well in multiple phases, but does have a different appearance, whether in T2 uh, or some of the later phase imaging. So again, very, very important. Article by Lem makes the point, the technical development of CT and MR has made possible fast scanning with better image quality and resolution, which enables accurate CT hemodynamic evaluation of hepatomas, as well as the application of perfusion CT and perfusion MR in clinical practice. And the authors also make the point why MR is so good, perfusion parameters, liver specific biliary agents, diffusion weighted imaging, which provides cellular information, particularly in the cirrhotic patient. So, again, very, very important. So, you can see the changes are rapidly happening and it's really improving our capability for lesion detection and characterization. I think, including that, imaging plays a major role in the detection and staging of a range of hepatic tumors. Advances in imaging will continue to evolve, uh, leading to earlier detection and better classification. Uh, Potentially, uh, the ability to not do biopsies will come along with characterization of tissue, be it pre or post therapy. Advances in imaging will focus on an understanding going beyond anatomic data alone. We're seeing a lot more interest in functional and physiologic type imaging. And finally, keeping up with these changes and defining the best exam for a particular patient will continue to be a challenge and will continue to be evolve. And so what we'll say to you is if you stay with us, we'll help you in that evolution. And with that, have a great day.